Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. My friends, you know that I am very much involved in doing all this stuff. And of late, I have developed what I have come to see is an adversarial relationship with with sleep. I have so many wonderful things to do to advance this work that I have trouble, believe it or not, settling down even when I'm very tired. Then I'll wake up in the middle of the night with yet another inspiration and I'll be right back to work at 4 a.m. And that's my life. I love it but I realize it's probably not very healthy. So it's time for us now to to begin to learn a little more about what is something I think we all kind of take for granted, and that's sleep. I mean, most of us, I think, from talking with people, I think most of us have really sort of screwed up sleep patterns. That's sort of how it happens. Um, We watch TV at night. We're on our screens late at night, all kinds of things really get in the way, and I didn't even realize that until recently. So, And then you add in the stress of 24-7 political news and all our personal and financial things we deal with every day, and we become more and more, more distressed, and that really affects our sleep. I always thought I had to live with it, but it turns out there are very modern solutions to what are, is really sort of a more modern set of problems, and that's our sleep. So our guests today are experts, and they're going to help us. Our guests are Chris Boris and Dr. Patrick Wanis. They work together, and they are experts on sleep. And sleep does turn out to be a complex topic, much more complex, I think, than most of us have realized. You'd think we would understand it better by now when you think about it, because we spend about a third of our lives sleeping, and we should long since have had someone on Seek Reality. I apologize we haven't, to help us better understand sleep, which is so essential to all of us. Dr. Patrick Buonis is a prominent human behavior expert who has worked all over the world. He does life coaching and relationship coaching, and because it's so central to our lives and to the lives of the people he helps, he's had to learn a lot about sleep. He can help us to better understand sleep and teach us how we can manage our lives so we'll be better able to sleep easily and a whole lot deeper and better. And his friend, who is sort of his teammate today, is Chris Burris. He's a scientific researcher who had studied the effects of some of what we might call chemical enhancements on sleep and on our ability to sleep well. We take it for granted, but sleep is one of the most important elements of being alive. So I'm excited to finally talk about it. Maybe there even is hope for people like me. We'll see. Patrick and Chris, welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thank you very much. Roberto, we're so happy to be here. Thank you for having us. You said something really powerful, which was, you know, that we would think by now that we would know more about (laughs) sleep. Well, the beauty is that we do. I can't take credit for it, but we actually do. There's a professor called Matthew Walker. He's professor of neuroscience and psychology at uh, the University of California. And he's spent decades researching sleep and the impact of sleep and what it does for us and what it, what happens to us if we don't. And it reveals that adequate, with adequate sleep, you're going to live longer. 
you'll have a better memory. You'll be better at creativity and problem solving. You'll be better at making decisions. You have greater acquisition of motor skills. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It boosts your immune system. It lowers your risk of heart attack. So, okay, so we know oh what the, the, we, we know what the benefits of sleep are. We know we can also list the lack of sleep, and that's much more horrific than how beneficial the the actual uh, adequate sleep is. But what we also found out through through the work is what actually happens in sleep. And so we do have a really good understanding of sleep. We understand how many hours of sleep you need. How, what percentage of the population follows the circadian rhythm, what percentage of the population are truly night owls. And here's an interesting one. Only really 1% of the population can go with less than six hours of sleep and not be negatively impacted. So it's this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, could, yeah no, I can, I'm sure you understand what a huge you misconception is. I really think I need help at, with this. This is yes. amazing. Okay, so, well, so we, we do know is what, you, what you're saying is maybe people listening don't know, but it is known. There are people who have done a lot of research on sleep, and we can really learn a lot more about what to do and what not to do. Yes, and, and I think the first thing we need to probably help the audience to understand is the significance of sleep. So I talked about some of the benefits, but understanding, too, that lack of sleep lowers your impulse control. It, you'll even get less results from the gym because you'll have 30% reduced aerobic output. You would tend to eat more food, but especially high-calorie foods. It lowers your productivity and creativity. And here's a statistic. Again, this is from Dr. Matthew Walker, professor of neuroscience and psychology. A doctor who's only had six hours of sleep has a 170% increased risk for a serious surgical error. Oh, dear. Oh, my. So we should ask our surgeons what you're saying. How much did you sleep last night, doctor, before they well, put us a, under? Yeah, what a great point, Roberta, because think about how doctors are trained. They're actually taught to go without sleep. Right, and that's yet, true. So what we found is the best preventative and curative medicine is actually sleep. If you go 24 hours without sleep, your performance will be impaired to the same degree as a legally drunk person with a blood alcohol content of 0.1%. Oh, my goodness. Now, Chris has two other really good statistics on this, and one is related to a blood test. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, and we could, I, I like this. This is kind of a different format than what Patrick and I have done before, where we come out and we scare um, the, <laughs> the, the mass out of your audience. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's at least laugh while we're doing it. Let's make it fun. <laughs> they might just tune out and go, okay, well, it's bad. Or hopefully they'll stick around it and we'll share some really actionable and tangible things that you can do to improve sleep. Yeah, um, that book, uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, just amazing. I, I call it like the Freddy Krueger of sleep books uh, because it really will scare you. Uh, I think in general, and, and, and I think we can accept in general that our society is aware uh, that, that, that sleep is important for our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And there's really nothing that we should do. we now, we got to get our eight hours of sleep every night. You know, well, unless there's something else to do. And, and Patrick often talks about we're the only species that will forego sleep for no healthful reason, right? There's, there's no reason that 
helps us live longer or live healthier that actually drives us to stay awake. Because uh, the reality is, is fun that, helpful though. I mean, fun is a factor, isn't it? Well, well I, that's a good. Go yes. ahead, Chris. Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll start just kind of briefly. I, my wife and I love to dance, and you know that often happens in, in at night, and then sometimes into the wee hours of the morn. I know Patrick loves to dance as well. Yeah, there is some happiness there, but in an ideal world, you'd get that done and then be in bed on time. Uh, okay. <laughs> so another aspect. Fun, fun is, is an important part, and let's distinguish between fun and pleasure and happiness and joy and ecstasy. They're all different. They're all a vast range of emotions. Fun is important if it's a way to either escape, and depending on the activity, something like dance also engages us, engages more of our right brain, so that's important. But that doesn't mean, therefore, that because this activity is fun, we should therefore lose out on the extraordinarily critical aspects of sleep just because we're having fun. Because if we use that argument, then anyone who has teenage children are going to say, well, mum and dad, I want to go and have fun because it's important to me because I heard this guy on Roberta yes. Grimes' show saying it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's not really healthy to make fun the only thing you do, which should be an important part of every day. But sleeping and eating, I guess eating healthy too, are very important things. And we have to pay the bills, so we have to do a little work. So, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But why do we sleep? I mean, do, what, have you have you worked out why we have to sleep? Well, well one, one, and I'll, ahead, I'll take this because I, I also wanted to share the, the stats. I mean, one thing that we know is that it's incredibly important, right? Um, if you think about kind of evolving as kind of more primitive creatures and living in caves, how extremely dangerous it was to be unconscious for eight hours. Like yes. there is there is nothing less survival instinct, right, than yes. sleep, except for the fact that that's how important sleep is. It's so important that you have to risk your life to get it. Not nowadays, right? We don't like it's just, you know, a nice, comfortable bed. But but as we're more primitive, it's actually a significant risk. <clears throat> and here's some yes. of the stats kind of Patrick alluded to. Um, one of them is that if you don't get sleep for two days and you do a blood glucose level, you will actually show up as a diabetic, right? So it impacts your, wow. your insulin and your blood sugar system. If, uh, the, the other thing that's important to know every year we do this kind of sleep study, you know, this global sleep study, almost entirely global, where we lose an hour and we gain an hour. Yeah, that's so, dumb. <laughs> yeah. And when we, when we gain an hour, we actually know that heart attacks decrease by 20 some odd percent. And when we lose an hour, heart attacks increase by 20 some odd percent. So, so you, you're really talking about something that impacts your memory. It impacts your ability to, to remember, uh, to, to actually function and make good decisions. It impacts your cardiovascular system. It impacts your, uh, your blood glucose system. So you're really, it's just that impactful for sure. Do they know why it has these extreme effects? Because I think that's fascinating that there are such extreme effects if your if your sleep is disrupted. Do people know why, or is it just kind of a resetting that maybe is essential? No, it's much more than that. Because in the context of sleep and the recommendation 
in this book, which answers your question, why we sleep, it's actually <laughs> called why we sleep. Oh, that's um, good, good to the re- tell. The, the recommendation is seven to nine hours sleep. And there's various uh, physiological processes that occur during sleep. You enter two different states of deep sleep, at least two, rapid eye movement and non-rapid eye movement. And during those states of sleep, there's different physiological processes. For example, during one of the deep states of sleep, your brain is working to determine, do I hold on to this memory and put it in the long-term category slot, or do I just let it go and make it a short-term memory, or do I completely let it go? As well, what's critical during sleep is it also works on your immune system. So sleep is an important part of our overall functioning. And without sleep, Chris has listed some statistics. I've listed some some statistics. The other thing that impacts us is that it also affects our mental and emotional state. And this is what Chris and I have been talking about a lot when we've been speaking about sleep. He's talked about, because he has extraordinary knowledge on the sleep aid industry and what those sleep aids do. And where I come in is to talk about the connection between your thoughts, your emotions, and sleep, and vice versa, because your thoughts will affect your emotions, and depending on your emotions, it'll determine your sleep, and then a lack of sleep will also affect your emotions and thought, and a lack of sleep also contributes to emotional and psychiatric, or psychological and psychiatric disorders. Wow. So <laughs> we, we, must, we must understand, because the problem is, think of it another way too, Roberta, because you, you're on radio. So there are times you need to go to the bathroom. You go, well, I can't because I've got a one-hour show. The <laughs> yeah, human, well, you learn not you know, to the, drink water is what you do. Ah, so you know the secret. So yes. the, the point is that every physiological function or biological function has a purpose. They're not, it's not random. Whether you believe in God creating us or whether you believe it's something else, every physiological and biological function has a positive purpose in our body. And what we do, unfortunately, is we try to change that. We try to change the time that we go to the bathroom, what time we go to sleep, what time we wake up, what time uh, we're going to work on the computer, et cetera, et cetera. And all we're doing is we're harming ourselves. And Chris and I have been talking a lot about, not just about the impact of sleep, but Chris has some great tips to share on actually concrete, actionable steps you can do so that you can sleep well. And I've been helping people to understand how our emotions negatively impact our sleep by putting us into a stress state. And what I mean by a stress state, elevated cortisol, elevated blood pressure, uh, hyperarousal, hypervigilance, uh, or even at lower levels, the fight or flight response. And all of those actions, even such as anger, which raises adrenaline, are all catabolic or they're harmful to our body. Now, I said biological functioning has a purpose. Adrenaline has a purpose when you need to run away from a predator or a threat or when you're going on a run or when you're in the gym. You need those chemicals. But if you're sitting in a car or you're sitting behind a computer and your body releases adrenaline and you're not metabolizing it, then it becomes catabolic and it becomes a poison. Oh, my goodness. So it's about balancing, Roberta. This is what it is. It's about balancing, saying, am I doing what is in alignment with my body? Is this the time to be releasing adrenaline? Is this the time to be staying up and reading, as you said at the beginning of the outro, 
about all the 24-7 political news, is this the time? Yeah, because it's stressful and it's It's divisive and it's controversial. Are you engaging in doom scrolling? I mean, scrolling through the through the web, through the, your phone, and constantly reading negative news. And the later in the evening you do it, the worse it'll be because those that exposure to anxiety-provoking informational news stays with you when you're asleep. It disrupts your sleep. It prevents you from having the proper balance between rapid eye movement, non-rapid eye movement, and other deep sleep states, and then it affects your body. Then you wake up the next morning, you can't deal with the thoughts or emotions, and Chris has a term for that. The em- horrible emotional sleep spiral. Yeah, and it's exactly... It's ex- Wait, what is that? <laughs> well, Chris, Chris can explain that one, because he came well, up with that term. Yeah, so so it turns out, um, you know, we all wake up in the morning and... And, 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 and not like our cell phones. So you look at your cell phone, there's a couple of meters on it. One of them is like, how much signal do I have? And the other one is how much battery do I have? Unfortunately, when we wake up, we don't have some sort of meter that said, hey, I got enough sleep or I didn't get enough sleep. And what that does is we're unable to tell how the lack of sleep that we did get the night before is negatively impacting us. So we may go throughout our day overreacting, underreacting, just reacting uh, to, to situations, emotional situations, n- not at, you know, a full five bars, right? And, and, and so what that does is can cause us to go into that night sleep going, oh, I made all these mistakes and I was just mean to this person and they didn't deserve that or you feel prosecuted even and now you're not getting sleep again and that's carrying over into the next day and that's the horrible emotional sleep spiral. So here's an example, Roberta. There was a flood in my apartment from an, an, an apartment four floors above me. Oh, so Lord. the what water restoration, yeah, it was. It was a real mess. And the water restoration company was here last night till midnight. So I only got four or five hours sleep. I went down to do my normal yoga. And this is the proof that sleep affects your motor skills, but you're not aware of it. So I woke up particularly early because I was awake from 5 a.m., so I got up. I felt fine in terms of physical energy. But when I was doing yoga and I was in the balancing poses, I was struggling to balance. And I went, this is obvious because I've only had five hours of sleep, disrupted five hours of sleep. So for me, it was tangible. And the reason that Chris and I got together was because so many people struggle with sleep, particularly at times of extreme stress. Whatever that stress is, whether it's political, whether it's an epidemic, whether it's a pandemic, whatever it is, whether there's a loss of a loved one, there's financial struggles, there's a job loss, any time that our body is being challenged, stress is just challenge, but to what extent and are you prepared for that stress, are you prepared for that challenge? Any time that you're facing this stress, you, there's a there's a chance that you're going to experience one of seven umbrellas of emotions. And that's why Chris and I got together and we said, how can we help people? And I said, Chris, you've got this fantastic product that is a natural product that is connected to Nobel Prize winning, to a Nobel Prize that actually helps people to sleep but doesn't addict them, doesn't isn't harmful to them. And I said, I help people to sleep by also dealing with their thoughts and their emotions, by dealing with the root causes. So if I can deal with the psychology of 
of what's happening in your life and Chris can deal with the physicality, the biology, then we can help people to sleep because we experience life in four realms, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So that's why we got together and I decided, to, well, Chris encouraged me, led me, told me to do it. Um, <laughs> or else, yes. <laughs> to create an audio book um, which is called Neutralize the Seven Emotions that are holding you hostage right now. And we're actually giving that away to your audience for free with no name, no email address, no catches. You just go to a link that uh, there's a special page for your audience. You download the audio book, you listen to it. I don't know if you've had a chance to do that. And there's a free guided meditation. So we wanted to actually see how we could help people without asking for anything in return, but but just actually giving them the information. And that's why Chris also came up with a list of at least three actionable things that you can do that are part of helping you to sleep well. Okay, let's. I want to hear those. It's getting a little bit scary here, so I want to hear what those positive things are, Chris. <laughs> we'll try to tone down the fear-inducing <laughs> knowledge that comes from the book. Knowledge is power, though, isn't it? So we have to concentrate on that thought. It is, so so, it is. so what, what are these three things? I'm all ears. All right. So the so the first one, and and these are all kind of a, a collection of of habits or sleep hygiene. And the more kind of regimented you can be about what you do before or in preparation for sleep, um, the better you're going to be able to sleep. And the data is very clear on that. So the first thing I want to talk about is naps. And there's, you know, there's been changes and people maybe are at home a little bit more often uh, and might be actually taking a nap on their couch. What's really cool is the data is very clear. Taking a nap in the middle of the day uh, it actually improves your mental performance for the rest of the day, right? So if you're inclined to take a nap, you can defend it. You can go to your boss and you could show them, you know, concrete evidence that me taking that nap in the middle of the day is actually good for my performance. Oh, good. Yes. I love that. I wish I had a boss. I'd absolutely say that. <laughs> say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. I guess I will. Yeah, because I feel guilty if I sort of reading something and nod off. It feels like I'm insulting the material. But that's good. That's It's a power nap. I like that. Okay. Well, it's, it is very good. And there's a couple of caveats, though, right? So one of them is the kind of optimal time, amount of time for a nap is 20 minutes. So if you see you're nodding off, Maybe you want to kind of preemptively set a, a, an alarm clock for 30 minutes because you definitely don't want to go past 30 minutes. But understand that 20 minutes is the optimal time for a nap. Oh, if you sleep longer than that, what happens is you actually interrupt your circadian rhythm. So the circadian rhythm is that thing that ties our physiology with the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. So as it's rising, of course, we're supposed to be start get get to be more active. And then, of course, as it's setting, we start to calm down and slow down and prepare ourselves for sleep. A, la a nap 20 minutes doesn't interrupt that circadian rhythm uh, more than 30 minutes, and you're going to have some potential problems going to sleep the next night. And that's very detrimental. Um, okay, so 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 rule number one is try to take a nap at noon or whenever when you break, but uh, no more than twenty minutes. That's very helpful. Okay, thank you. Also, don't take one after four, right? Okay. So if if you do get to four and you're reading that book and maybe nodding off a little bit, it's better not to take that nap uh, that late in the afternoon. Uh, get up and you know take your dog for a walk or do something to keep yourself awake. 
because that also that late nap can interrupt your circadian rhythm. And, you you know, obviously don't want to do that to get good sleep. OK, so okay. that's napping. Um, next is, is electronic devices. We all have them. We've got a computer. We've got a tablet. We've got a cell phone. We take them with us all the time. What a lot of people don't realize is these devices give off blue light. Um, and blue light is actually something that tells our bodies it's the middle of the day. It turns out as the sun is going across the sky in the middle of the day, most more blue light is coming through the atmosphere. Uh -oh. And so these devices that are giving off blue light convince our brain that it's noon, right? Which oh, is grief. <laughs> right, which is clearly not good if you're no. going to go to sleep at nine or whatever time that it's dark. You're looking at this device in your body. In fact, you know, Patrick gives the example. People have been like, I was up working on my computer and it, it was three o'clock and I didn't realize how late it was. I wasn't tired while looking at the blue light. Right. That's okay. what causes that. Um, the good thing is, is most of these devices uh, and if they don't, it's probably old and you should upgrade. Um, most of these devices have a blue light blocker, a blue light filter on them. Uh, I recommend you put that blue light filter on about two hours before the sun sets. Again, you don't want the sun to have set and then you to be looking at something that's generating blue light okay. that okay. convinces your mind that it's noon, right? That, that makes sense. Now, a friend of mine, um, this was years ago, gave me some bright orange, I th think that she said there were welders glasses or something. They were great. They were like great big things who, and said that if I wore those in the evening, it would be easier. And, and while well, I was on a screen, it would be easier to sleep that night. Is that, yes. does that help? Is that Absolutely. true? That's a, those glasses are basically blocking the blue light. And, oh. and that, that is absolutely beneficial. <laughs> I stopped using them because I thought she was a little bit flaky. But it turns out I'm the one who was, I guess. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, great. No, that, is, that is really good. And, 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 and that has some benefits. You know, these blue light blockers or really what they kind of tried to do is reduce the amount of blue light coming off of the devices. They're not 100 percent, whereas a blue light blocking uh, sunglass is going to is going to do better. Uh, or a blue light blocking glass. It's not really blocking the sun. So, I love it. Okay. So that's, that's good. Great. And Thank then you. we can we can add a separate tip with electronic devices. The problem, and Patrick alluded to this earlier. It, you know, one of the problems is you get on these devices and you're and you're you know you're like scrolling through Facebook or you're reading this bad news and this is stuff that keeps us up. It turns out that we're wired. Uh, and we actually get a, a little boost of endorphins whenever we get small bits of, quote unquote, socially relevant information. Now, this was probably really practical when we lived in villages and we kind of learned yes. about the person across the street or whatever and what they liked or didn't like. And that could help us advance in society. But when you're learning about, you know, some acquaintance of a friend <laughs> who's doing something on the other side of the planet, it, our brain can't tell the difference, so we still yeah. get that endorphin boost. Yeah. But that information isn't doesn't have the value that it that it had. What that the, the value that endorphin boost is supposed to uh, kind of encourage us to collect that type of information. So we recommend get those electronic devices out of the bedroom, uh, put them outside of your room, maybe as much as two hours. I know that can be asking too much for some people. Uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, I use my my phone as my alarm clock." What I would suggest is that you should use an alarm clock as your alarm clock. <laughs> and <laughs> <Not> idea. <laughs> Good and, idea. Okay. And, 
and put a charging station outside your bath, your bedroom door, or maybe even further down the hall or whatever it is so that it's not interrupting you and, and you're not thinking about it. You know, sit down and have a conversation with a loved one, uh, read a, you know, a, a classic book uh, that isn't going to have any blue light and also isn't going to have the little notifications as you're reading that could distract you. So um, so that's we got naps and we've got like what to do with electronic devices. And the final one that I'll share with you. Um, is is related to alcohol, right? So a lot of people believe that if they have a drink right before they go to bed, it helps them fall asleep and sleep better. And actually, it turns out neither one of those two things is true. Um, it actually helps you go unconscious, right? So it is a depressant and it helps you go unconscious and it's well documented that it actually interrupts your sleep. Um, it's much better to, if you're, and, and there's some very good data on if you have one drink at night to relax, then that can be beneficial. There are health benefits associated with that. But do that at least an hour before, if not two hours before you go to sleep, so that your body has the opportunity to metabolize that alcohol before you kind of put your head on the pillow. It's really interesting because in, in that book, Why We Sleep, Dr. Walker talks about the $2 billion sleep aid industry. This is an industry where physicians prescribe you things, you take them right before you go to bed, and you actually wake up and, and what they do in our bodies is they relieve a chemical pressure and the chemicals called adenosine. And as adenosine builds up in our body, we desire sleep more and more. And as, as it's relaxed, and that's what these sleep aids, quote unquote, sleep aids do, we wake up without the desire for sleep. But because they're depressants, they don't allow us to get our REM or our in-REM sleep. And so we're not getting the healing benefits of that sleep. And what's, what's interesting, because what drew Patrick and I together is a product that I have, uh, my most consistent testimonials are customers say they take it in the morning, they report mental focus and energy during the day, and then better sleep that night, which is, is like the antithesis of these sleep aids. Uh, there's really only two other things that you could do in the morning to improve your sleep. One of them is to exercise. So if you wake up and exercise, you will sleep better that night. Uh, and the other is to get exposure to the sunlight. Uh, as soon as you wake up, as soon as the sun is up, what that does is sinks your body with that circadian rhythm, that sunrise and sunset. And those two uh, can be beneficial. Um, other than that, I'm not aware of anything that you can any sort of supplement that you would take in the morning and, and would benefit your sleep that night. Well, just tell people what a circadian rhythm is, because that's something we, you, we've been saying, but I don't think we've been clear in defining it. Yeah. So really what it is, it's the, it's what ties our physiology, right? What ties our mind uh, and the energy that our body's producing. So as the sun is rising, um, we need to become more active and kind of start to go about our day. And then as the sun is setting, then we need to slow down and be preparing for sleep. That's called that rise and fall uh, of our activity level is called the circadian rhythm. Fascinating. Okay. I didn't know what it was either. I thought it sounded good, though, but that's great. Okay. So, so, so we naturally do become more active in the morning. And if we help to jumpstart that a little by getting some sun, taking a walk, whatever, that's even better for our day because it revs us and gets us going. Is that what you're saying? And then we, we have to reverse that at night and start slowing down and not take a walk. I, I know people who take a walk after dinner. Maybe they shouldn't do that. Maybe that makes them too active. Well, 
Yeah. Well, it depends on the walk. If you're doing a gentle, relaxing walk that helps you to digest your food, that's fine. Particularly if you're walking and you're just engaging in gentle breathing. If you're walking and you're trying to exercise to lose weight, burn calories, then yes, you're right, Roberta, that you're getting the negative effect. <laughs> the concept of taking a stroll at night is to put yourself in what we refer to as the parasympathetic nervous system. This is rest and digest. So if you're walking and you're breathing deeply, gently, and breathing out gently, you're engaging the parasympathetic nervous system. <clears throat> the other point to build on what Chris said about energy, understand that your cortisol levels tend to be higher in the morning, usually run about sometime between 7 and 8 in the morning, again, round sunrise. Right. But if you're... If you're stressed out, if you've got extreme stress and you're experiencing extreme emotions, whether that's fear, anxiety, anger, etc., and I reference all I reference all of these emotions in my free audio book for your uh, audience, neutralize the seven emotions that are holding you hostage right now, and I give actionable steps, actionable steps about how to deal with them. When you're engaging in these emotions, your body's releasing lots and lots of cortisol, and that's how you end up becoming even unhealthier. That's how people end up putting oh, on all the weight. So, oh, again, we're goodness, coming back really? to balance. Wow. Yeah, so it's understanding that everything that you do makes a difference. It's, it's, it's not just, well, I must get up and I must go and make money, but, okay, how are, you, how are you planning your day? How are you beginning your day? Chris said it so well. The best, one of the best ways to get good sleep at night and to keep your body in line to the circadian rhythm, which is also in line with the sun rising and then sun setting, is to get up around sunrise, is to exercise in the morning, is to expose yourself to natural sunlight. I do that every morning. Today I was down on the beach doing uh, yoga to the sunrise, and I can promise you by 10 o'clock at night I'm ready to sleep, but it okay, feels good. Okay, that's great. Good. But it feels yes. good. Okay, so, that that sounds wonderful, actually. To 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 be able to use your activity and 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 I would think doing this the same way roughly every day would help too. Your body is into that. I mean, I work walk first thing in the morning, and I find that that really makes me ready for the day. I never realized what what a difference that would make. Well, that's a good point. Creating a routine is really important. Routine also helps to ease stress, assuming it's a healthy routine. Helps to ease stress. <laughs> right. It helps to create a sense of psychological security. You know, children, even more than adults, need a very strict routine. They don't want. They don't want it. They don't like it, but they need it because it gives them also a sense of security and stability. Even though they say, "I don't want to go to sleep. It's only eight o'clock," <laughs> but they actually need it. Right. So, but we try to we try to create more that, variety. That kind of sounded like my son, Patrick. Let's talk about children for a minute. Children need more sleep, right? And teenagers need more sleep than would adults. This, though that's Correct. six hours, that means that's people who are mature, right? Fully mature adults. Six hours uh, is the minimum. But it must be more like eight seven. or nine kids. It's okay, seven so, minimum. Yeah. So Dr. Matthew Walker, professor of neuroscience okay. and psychology, University of California. Our new hero, the one, yes. <laughs> right, is, that's right. Is the one that says, based on research, not on opinion, says you need seven to nine hours sleep. There's only 1% of the population that can function with less than six. So you ideally want to get seven to nine. Now, you raise the point, children obviously need more sleep and think about a newborn infant, how they're spending almost all of their time sleeping because yes. their body's evolving and growing. That's now, right. we use what we do, unfortunately, in the Western system is we say, 
okay, we're going to start school extremely early, and that oh. includes teenagers. But the ones that need the most amount of sleep are actually the teenagers. Really? Okay. And it's so, it's also true that teenagers shift their circadian rhythm and are a little bit more night focused than the rest of the population during their teenage years, right? Really? In fact, there's okay. one stat from the book which says that SAT test scores for American school districts rose from 605 to 761 after changing oh, the, my yeah, Lord, really? after changing the start time from 725 to 830. That's all they had to do. Move it yeah. later by an hour. Oh, and, and my goodness. Another stat mentioned there was one school district in the country that shifted the start time and accidents, which accidents overall went down like 13 percent because actually most accidents are caused by teenagers. Uh, and then the teenagers oh, actually cause more accidents when they're sleep deprived because they're waking up earlier than their circadian rhythm wants them to. Oh, my word. Is this generally known? Because if it were, you would think that they would take this very seriously. What a big difference it makes. It's a huge difference. I think one of the challenges is, right, like to shift the school uh, time is it can be a challenge, right? Because most parents have like coordinated their schedule to drop off their kids on the way to school or, you know, on the way to work. So, um, but yeah, it, it would make sense. And it also disrupts that pattern would disrupt because that's not true for elementary and middle school kids. It's only true for the teenagers. So when you get into high school, so now you've got to break them away from their brothers and sisters. Uh, but overall, it's a very good decision. Wow, this is fascinating. I never realized there was so much to sleep, isn't it? It's really, I wish we'd had you on sooner because, <laughs> because now I'm going to sleep better. I, that, that's a lot of good wisdom. And, and so, so what, what do you find that people are doing most that's most destructive? Is it the screens? Is it, uh, I mean, what, when, when people come to you, and I'm assuming they come to you and say, hey, I can't sleep, how do I fix this? Well, from my experience, I think the most destructive thing that people do, other than the routine, let's, I would say, first, you have to have the routine and the structure. And assuming that you're just generally engaging in what Chris refers to as sleep hygiene, which is all the good things that when you go to sleep, it's silent, or it's very, very quiet, it's dark, and it's cool, the room is cool. 68 degrees is the ideal. So you've got those things, you're not drinking more than one drink of alcohol if you're going to drink, etc. You're not looking at your screens and the blue light is keeping you awake because it's it's playing around with your body and it's tricking your body into thinking it's daytime or midday and you're not exposing yourself to negative news which creates anxiety even if you're not consciously aware of it. If it doesn't create anxiety, it creates stress or aggression or frustration, right. etc. Turn off Assuming, that news. Yes. Putting all of that aside, from my perspective, the most destructive thing that you do to sleep, based on the experience of my clients, is the unresolved issues. Unresolved issues is probably one of the biggest concerns. And what I mean by unresolved issues is perhaps you're in, a, in an unhappy marriage, you're in an unhappy job, uh, you've got problems in a relationship, you've got problems with mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother-in-law, sister, etc., Whatever it is in your life that's throwing you out of balance. And for most of us, uh, our relationships, our relationships to everything is usually negatively impacted, not just by our thoughts and emotions, but by things that happened 
in our childhood that oh, therefore sure. that therefore affect the way we approach life and relationships. So if I'm a person that experienced trauma, maybe I don't trust easily. So therefore, if I get in a relationship, I either don't trust or maybe because I've experienced a lot of pain and trauma in childhood, I don't even get near relationships. And then what happens to me? I'm isolating myself. I'm experiencing, yeah. I'm experiencing loneliness, disconnection, withdrawal. Uh, you might have unresolved issues surrounding guilt or shame. Maybe you're still angry at someone for something they did 20 years ago. So this, <laughs> That's awful. Yes. But it's true, though. I'm, I'm yeah, sure that every I'm one sure. of us can think of someone who's still angry at someone else for something that was done 20, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. For example, it might be your parents. You're angry at your parents, and that was done yeah. 10 years ago, 20, 40 years ago. So unresolved issues is probably the biggest one, and that usually manifests itself in relationship problems whether you're having problems at work, most of the problems at work are relationship related. The way that you're relating to other colleagues and team members. Um, and so it's unresolved issues manifesting usually in relationships and then in some form of self-sabotaging or self-destructive behavior. Okay. And wow. that, that, so you've got to understand the link between the mind and the body. They're not separate. The mind affects the body. The body affects the mind. There is a brain-gut access. That means the brain talks to the stomach. The stomach talks to the brain. They both affect the body. Wow. All right. That's really amazing. We could go on and on, but we're we're coming near the end of our time, and I want to make sure that we, we – first, everyone, there's going to be more in the, in the notes than there usually is for, for a Seek Reality program because – You've got some freebies to pick up. All you need to go to the is go to the link and you can get a book which looks like it's terrific. I did listen to part of it. And also a, a guided meditation and this is all free. The price is therefore excellent. And the the other thing that um, you should be aware of is that Chris has this as he said Nobel prize winning formula which looks like it's really great. I mean I hardly got into that because we were not talking about uh, that sort of thing this time, but um, but you can learn all about it at his um, um, website called myvitalc.com. And, of course, Patrick will be at patrickwanis.com. Um, and they'll be all in the notes, so you can look for them there. You don't have to Roberta, drive off the road. Yes? If I could add, really just go to myvitalc.com forward slash seek reality. Uh, and that'll find... Uh, there, again, the book is absolutely free. Uh, you don't have to give an email address. You don't have to give your even your name. You can play it right there in the browser or download it and take it to any device. And then we've kind of put two links on that page so that they can get over to Patrick. Um, he Obviously, you heard him talking about unresolved issues. He can heal those. Um, and also, you can get a link to my website. And we actually do have a coupon code if anybody in your audience happened to be interested in trying it. If they use the coupon code Seek Reality, they could get an additional fifteen dollars off of their purchase. Well, you make me feel like a princess. We're getting you, all these you are. specials. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been fascinating. What what last thought would, would each of you have to share with people? What what that you want them to take away from today? My briefest thought is that your thoughts determine your emotions, and the only thing that you can control is your thoughts, which in turn control your emotions. You control your emotions via your thoughts and focus only 
on the things you can control, let the rest go, accept the things that you can't control. And remember, you can't control the people around you. Think about controlling yourself. Yeah, wonderful. That's wonderful. And what I'd like to share, uh, and really I'm, I'm stealing this from Patrick. One, we'll start it with uh, you are a princess or a prince, uh, and and really you deserve the best of everything. Wow, that is a wonderful thought. I think a lot of us, maybe we're taught in childhood we don't deserve the best of everything, but that is really very, very true. I think Thank Patrick could is- help you unlearn that thought and get you to (laughs) the point where like consciously we all think, yeah, I really do deserve the best of everything. It's really usually the subconscious that doesn't believe that. And that's what, what Patrick does. Wow. Thank you both so much. This has been really enlightening for me. I'm I'm excited to try some of these things. And uh, everyone, as I say, if you go to the materials that are that will be there with this podcast, even years from now, that will they'll be able to get this this link, these links, yes. and do all that. Oh, goody! Thank you. I'm going to do that too. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Big hugs to you both. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you. Everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm really glad you were with us. Wasn't this fun today? Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you get that, really get it, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, we're going to be talking with David Allison for the fourth time. Most of our recurring guests are people our listeners have praised to me. So please just know that when you tell me you've especially enjoyed someone who has been on Seek Reality, that's one reason we bring them back. So let me know how you feel. David Allison is a successful entrepreneur, a nice guy, and he was just beginning to bring his only son into his business when on July 20, 2016, Davy Allison died in a car crash at the age of 24. David's book is called Finding Davy. It details the remarkable events that surrounded and followed that awful loss, and it's Frankly, it's a terrific book. Not all books of that sort are, but I think this is the one that I would most recommend together with Mikey's book, Flying High in Spirit, for people who are, you know, have lost a child or have a friend who has lost a child because uh, I think both of the authors handle these the things so well. Again, that's Finding Davy. I, I think that it's very important that we have the, the, the sort of sense and the sort of understanding that, in fact, we never lose our loved ones. And this is going to make you know that for certain. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. But primarily, we're going to be talking about the wonderful organization for bereaved parents called Helping Parents Heal. And, and David Allison is, is part, one of the leaders in that organization. He comes by every so often just to talk to us about what Helping Parents Heal is up to now. Please just be sure to join us next week. I think you're going to find it's actually a lot of fun, despite what we'll be talking about. And this week has been a great deal of fun. We've been talking with Patrick Wanis and Chris Burris, who are experts in the science of sleep. And as you can see, and we've only touched the surface, you can see there's a lot going on when we want to talk about sleep. The, 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 the way they pitched this to me was, the three keys to help you sleep deeply and strengthen your immunity. I thought, hey, I'll do that, but there's been so much more to this. I feel that um, really there's much more for us to learn. We'll also put uh, a, the name and the uh, of the author and, and the, the title of the book that they kept referring to in the materials because I think that's something you're very much want, going to want to want to look at if sleep is your concern. 
There's, we didn't talk during this, this program about the, another important thing about sleep, and that is that it's important for your body, as you learn, but it's important for your mind because it's your time to get out of your body. There is a period for everybody every night. Often we don't leave our bedroom, but our mind leaves our body. We are all astral travelers. And as we do that, we meet with our spirit guide. We meet with our loved ones who have gone ahead of us. We maybe take courses. We travel in the astral. We have a heck of a time at night, but there's amnesia that comes in the way of that. Sometimes, though, um, you'll have a very strange dream, and that's really what happened. Your, your, your brain, when you came back into your body, was trying to process those memories. So it's a very exciting important time for us and learning to really sleep well and deeply is going to make it easier for you to have those essential essential meetings at night with your guides with your mom and so on so all of that is very very important night is an essential time apparently not just for your body but also for your mind I'm going to include, as I say, all of this material for you so that you'll be able to get in touch with Dr. Juanis, with Chris, and get to know better what they know about the, the very essential things that surround our sleep. That was great. Now, as you know, my own books are not liberating Jesus, my Thomas, the fun of dying, the fun of staying in touch, the fun of growing forever, the fun of living together, and soon the fun of loving Jesus, embracing the Christianity that actually Jesus taught. It's probably time for us to do that. For young children, there is a, a wonderful, actually, picture book called The Fun of Meeting Jesus. And all of these books are available just about wherever books are sold or on Amazon. The adult books are available as audiobooks too. There are other things I sometimes say at the end, but we've spent so much time talking. I've run out of time. Therefore, I just want to remind you again, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, hopefully sleeping even better than you ever have before. But please know above all that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular in the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.